Inside 20, for those who desire to hunt close. It's brought to you by Traditional Bow Hunters of Georgia, Big Jim Bow Company, Gunshy Archery, Vantage Point Archery, Custom King Traditional Archery, Triple T Strings. Inside 20 is a separate entity from our sponsors. The information shared during each podcast are the beliefs of Inside 20 Associates and the guests participating. We are very happy to announce our guest tonight is an expert woodsman and traditional bow hunter, a legend in the Georgia swamps, Mr. Robert Carter. How are you doing tonight, Mr. RC? I'm doing good. I'm doing really good. I've been on vacation this week, so life is really good. <laughs> well, we're really excited to speak with you, specifically about primitive bow hunting. You know that you've had some success in that department, and, and I think I've seen you post about uh, some bows you've been making. So we definitely want to get into that, and also some wintertime pig hunting strategies. Another thing on our list, pretty high up. But first, if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and how long you've been hunting traditional. Ah, uh, well, I'm, I'm, uh, I've been hunting. I think this was like my 43rd or maybe the 44th bow season. I can't even remember. It's been a long time. I remember hunting with a bow when I was 12. I've, um, I, I don't mean deer hunting. I mean walking around, you know, shooting at rabbits and stuff. I've been shooting a bow a long time. And I, I live in southeast Georgia down here in God's country. And as far as deer hunting with a bow, I, I think uh, probably, I know I've been hunting pigs for 35 years with a bow. And so, uh, and deer hunting, you know, probably, like I said, around 43. This may be the 44th year right now, but uh, a long time. I, I hunted three years with a compound somewhere in the, in the middle of all that, maybe in 96, 7, and 8 or something like that. And uh, it just I worked on it more than I did my old truck, so I quit with that. But I really enjoyed, uh, you know, hunting hunting with the longbow and, and uh, recently getting into hunting, you know, with a primitive bow, uh, I hunted with stone points in a primitive bow a couple of years ago, but kind of got back into the building some bows, and I intend on hunting with some of them a little bit this year. That's excellent. What do you do full-time professionally? I work uh, in logistics for Walmart. I work at a at a big warehouse. Uh, we I work with a group of guys that handle all the stuff that won't ride a conveyor. And uh, I've been I've been there for 22 years. It's a really good job. I work uh, three days a week, but uh, it's not as sweet as it sounds because sometimes in three days it turn into 50 hours. But it, it allows me some time off during the week to hunt. I, I work on the weekends. Yeah, so you get to go out there and, and poke around public land when everybody else is working there you go yes i seldom see anybody <laughs> that's good to go and what um would you say is your favorite animal to hunt uh it's probably pigs i, I mean I, whenever i'm hunting whatever it is that's my favorite one at the time but there's nothing like sitting in that tree stand on a good hot feed tree knowing that some old deer is going to come in there to see them 
But then again, there's nothing like walking and you spot them hogs. They may be 100 yards and that adrenaline starts kicking in because you're just, just getting started hunting then. It's, it's all fun. But I really do enjoy the pigs. And I actually would rather eat. I mean, we, we eat everything we shoot here. And and it's hard to beat a, a fine young pig for for the table. I would agree there for sure. And uh, while we're on the subject of pigs, I've got to know, how do you approach wintertime pig hunting as opposed to summertime pig hunting? Are there, is there a difference in strategies or what you're looking for? No, I cover ground. I, I tend to hunt thicker cover during the uh, winter, you know, but closer to cane thickets and, you know, thicker places because there's, you know, there's no leaves. Everything's a little spooky whenever it's, the sun you know it's bright in there and uh you know i definitely want to stay out till last light but but uh the secret of killing pigs is is no secret you cover ground and uh if i told you how many miles i walk for every pig i kill you it 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 might discourage you from hunting them but uh, i put in some miles i cover ground And, and sometimes you know you can mess around hunting pigs and you may kill five in a week and then you may walk 30 miles before you get another shot and that's a realistic number i didn't make that up that's probably pretty close wow nice definitely a lot of effort that goes into it uh see so oh yeah so the pig your favorite uh animal to hunt you, you mentioned they're pretty good to eat what's your favorite way to cook them or your favorite recipe for pig well oh man we cooked uh just yesterday, actually, we cooked. I killed a pig, probably about may have weighed forty pounds, and uh, I had the ribs, saved the ribs, and I didn't cut the back strap off. I left it on there and, and uh, grilled them, the ribs whole like that with the back strap. And man, it was good. I like grilling them like that. And uh, you know, you can cut little pieces up and fry them. I, I grill the shoulders and make pulled pork. There's all you know different different ways to cook the pig. And uh, even with deer, I always uh, 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 grill my shoulders and you make like pulled, pulled, you know, barbecue and you can put it in serving size bags and freeze it and eat it later. Pretty good. It's hard to beat. No, you're not. I really like, you know, fried food is not good for you. I like to I like to cut them back straps up and fry them, butterfly them and fry them. That's really good. Yes, sir. That's, man, got my mouth watering. <laughs> so, if you could think back, what would you say your most memorable hunt was? That's easy. That's a turkey hunt. I, I actually posted that on uh, Facebook the other day. I was flipping through some pictures and saw the picture. But a, a turkey hunt on public land with a longbow, no blind or nothing, and learning to I was learning to use a mouth call. I had just got I killed all the turkeys I'd killed. I'd kill them with a slate call or either a box call, and uh, I just didn't like them diaphragm calls in my mouth. But uh, I was determined to use one to hunt without a blind, you know, to cut down on the movement. And and I was walking around squawking on that thing, trying to figure it out, and a and a turkey gobble. <laughs> And uh, it was late in the evening, it was like three o'clock, something like that. And I managed to, it ended up being four gobblers, three together and one that came by himself. And that's the one I killed. 
after I missed him the first shot, he come back around and I, I didn't miss him the second time. And uh, while all that happened, I had had my flip phone out talking to my good friend, John Buckhart. I called him Brother John. I was laughing at him because his wife wouldn't let him go hunting with me that day. And uh, I killed a gobbler there with the phone open and him uh, asking me what was going on. <laughs> I remember it like it was yesterday. It was a great hunt. That sounds like it. That man, that is. So, do you turkey hunt a lot with your bow, or? or... I I used to. I, I actually uh that hunt was on on a uh, public land, but I used to have probably the best turkey hunting in South Georgia, walking from my house on private land, and uh, and but now I've lost access to it. The the older guy, the gentleman who who owned it that let me hunt there passed, and you know then the land gets chopped up, and now there's houses back there. But uh, I I killed uh, I killed twenty turkeys with my bow, and I killed I killed uh, I killed three one year. I limited out and uh, would hear them. I'd just sit on my deck, and I had two turkey blinds. The pop up blind is easy for turkey killer, and I had two pop up blinds, one on each side of the creek. And I if I was gonna go turkey hunting that day. I would go sit on the porch, drink coffee, and when he gobbled, I'd wait till he flew down. I knew which side he went to, and then I'd take off and go down there. And uh, we we had a lot of turkeys out. You could see a flock of sixty turkeys at the time. You know, during the during the uh, fall, but during the spring, man, I, you'd hear they might be seven or eight turkeys gobbling. It, it's good, really. It's it was easy turkey hunting. What a shotgun! I could have killed one every time I went. So run and gun like that, are you are you using a ghillie suit or what? You mentioned. I was, I had just a little old leafy suit on and uh, like you buy at Bass Pro. Now I have a ghillie now. I got, I'm on turkey hunt this year, Lord willing. I don't even think I went turkey hunting last year. And uh, them pigs, man, they, they really, they, they mess up my turkey hunting. But uh, I actually tore a leg muscle last year. That's why I didn't turkey hunt. And, but uh, this year, hopefully I'll get to go. I got a, a kill suit, a leafy suit I plan on using. And uh, it's really, it's, it, it, I mean, it, hunt, killing a turkey with a shotgun ain't easy, you know, especially on public land, because that's where I have to hunt now, public land. But um, it, ain't, it ain't impossible. I mean, people wonder how you draw your bow, but but uh, I've killed several of them. And I, I, the key to it is staying low to the ground. If you're setting up, if you're setting up by, you'll get busted. But if you stay pretty low to the ground and uh, hunkered over there, you can and draw real slow. If anything, you'll be strutting. He'll just unfold there and look at you, and by that time, you done shot him. I got a few questions for you in regards to running and gunning. Are you sitting flat on the ground when you're doing that? Or are you sitting in some type of chair? I said uh, I got a, a little chair that I had made. And I got another one, a friend that actually come up with, and he was going to put it out and sell them. And I've been wanting to share it with everybody, but I can't do it till they see what he's going to do. I don't want to undercut him like that. But uh, I, I usually, I don't sit with my back against the tree. I sit with my right side against the tree, with my feet drawn up under me, especially if the turkey's close. That way, if anything, if he, and I try to sit up in a thick place, fairly thick. So and I can I can roll up sort of on my knee and still be hunkered over, and uh, it allows me to shoot in a wide span around me, 
it's hard to shoot a bow accurately sitting with your back against the tree. Decoys or no decoys? I most own uh, when I'm on foot, but I don't carry a decoy with me. When I hunted out in pop-up blinds, I actually kept a decoy in each blind. But uh, I, ki- I killed a, I killed a Jake once. That was the second turkey that I killed when I killed three that year. I put the decoy at eight yards, and uh, I was debating on whether to kill him or not. And he came between me and the decoy, and I had to get up on my knee. I shot him at four yards, and I, I just couldn't wow. pass that up. And uh, but uh, you know, and some I've had some turkeys come and see the decoy and run like it's called a dog. And then, but but I think he comes in. I don't know. I, the best way, if you got a buddy, the best way is him be behind you and you set up and call, and or, or him set up and call and try to call the turkey past you. And once the focus goes towards him, then you you have a good chance of shooting. But like I said, it ain't a. You can't be moving on the turkey when he's too far to shoot because then he's going to see you and you ain't going to get to shoot him. you got to wait. You know, you want to be prepared for the shot, but don't start messing with your bow drawing until he's close enough to shoot. That way, if he does stop, I mean, if you've hunted turkeys, you can tell when they're about to go. And if he, if he stops or starts to unfold, and I always try to draw. I don't like to shoot a strutting turkey because there's so much that you're looking at that ain't turkey you know what i mean it's nothing but feathers but uh almost every time if you start drawing on him when he's strutting he'll unfold and it makes you pick your shot better and plus i think it gives you that split second there when he's unfolding trying to figure out what it is that you get to shoot you know yeah when that head and that neck extend up you know it's about time to to make a move if you haven't already and to the decoy point I think uh, it varies. I know in certain areas you got birds that'll see decoys and they get educated you know, at some point, maybe if they, they haven't gotten killed one year or another. But also in my experience, you've got different like different types of birds where you've got birds that are uh, maybe they're uh, the king bird in that you know, that flock, uh, the code, and then you've got co-dominant birds. And if they're co-dominant, you know, I, I think maybe that can change year to year. But if they're a co-dominant bird or they're not number one, I think in that point, some decoys, even Jake decoys, will, will freak them out because they've probably had their butt whooped a couple of times, at least in my experience. Yep. I believe they work in a place that doesn't have as many turkeys. I, I, there's a there's one place that I used to hunt that was private land, and they were just, a, you you might hear two gobblers in the morning, you know, all year, and if one of them gets killed in the rest of the year, you only hear one. <laughs> but uh, they would they tend to not be a scared of the decoy like a place with a lot of turkeys and it could be because of what you're saying right yeah it's funny they're interesting they are uh, a lot of fun to play with and, and to hunt when it works out uh, but that's uh, it's tough it's definitely tough and to be able to sit there and make a, a move on them without a blind and and especially without a decoy on public land and, and be successful that's impressive are you going to use any of your self bows or stone points this year is that any any part of your plan in the near future hunt turkeys no i, I won't shoot I, I really probably won't shoot stone points again at anything and i i've not had a bad experience with them but I, I don't shoot the pounds anymore that i feel i'm no expert at it that i don't feel comfortable doing something i ain't gonna do it and so i don't feel comfortable hunting with stone point with low poundage so i'll shoot steel points 
Now my cell phone, I mean, it's shooting is it shoots pretty hard, and uh, I, I may use it some, but uh, I, the cell phones are fun and I enjoy messing with them. But when it comes critter killing time, I'm usually, I mean, I'll hunt with the cell phone some, but my heart is in that longbow, that uh, hill style longbow. That's what I love to hunt with more than anything. I guess it just comes to it's important to trust your equipment, what you're taking in the woods, especially since that time is valuable. And and honestly, yes, oh, yeah. you got respect for whatever it is that you're going to take a shot at. So you want to make sure you're confident at the end of the day, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I fully intend on deer hunting. I'll do the, I, I may pig hunt a little bit until it gets really hot with myself, though. But, but uh, I intend on trying to, you know, to kill a deer with it for sure. And, uh, the uh, humidity, in my experience, the humidity is pretty tough on the self boat. And uh, but I can take that uh, at Northern Miss uh, longbow I got, and it don't bother it at all. And I guess when you hunt with these self boats, you're not going to use a stone point. You're going to use just some uh, some wood raw shafts you're going to build out and, and use a glue-on point on the end of it, I guess. Yeah, I got some Douglas fir arrows that actually a friend made for me. And uh, they weigh 600 grains. And uh, the same arrow that I shoot out of my uh, Northern Miss Hill style bow. And I'll shoot, uh, probably shoot some uh, Wenzel Woodsman's. If I turkey hunt with them, I'll shoot Wenzel Woodsman's. But, uh, and shoot that for most anything. I, mean, I don't shoot big hogs. I, I mean, I got no, I shoot a big old sow, but I don't have any use for a big old boar. And that Wenzel Woodsman is a fine broadhead, a, a good penetrator. And so for, you know, for low poundage bows, if I shot the pounds anymore, if I, if I had shot enough energy, I'd shoot a tree shark or either a big snuffer, but, uh, but I don't, I don't shoot enough pounds to push that anymore. So I, I settle more on the, maybe the little narrow tiger shark or the, uh, Wenzel Wisdom. Yeah. The Wenzel's a great head. I've had a uh, experience shot one through a, uh, a doe one time and had a complete pass through and, and didn't break the wood arrow. And it's, it's rare in my experience, especially from a tree stand shooting deer. Oftentimes, even if it comes out the other side, they'll squat down and break it before it gets all the way yeah. out in the second hole. And so seeing that and having ha- had that happen a few times with that three bl- blade broadhead has been impressive. It, and it always leaves a good blood trail too. Oh yeah. Yeah. I killed a uh, three with the same arrow and broadhead this year. And, uh, and it's ready to go again. Those same uh, it's Douglas fur arrows. I killed, uh, I shot a pass through on a six point, and the arrow, you know, come completely out and was on the other side. And then I shot a two, I shot a doe. The arrow stayed in her, but when she fell, she fell the other, on the side without the arrow and didn't break it. And then I spined the doe, and she fell on the and didn't break the arrow. That's awesome. So, uh, I got lucky on that. I have a woodsman that I killed 13 deer and hogs with. Wow. And you spend all that time making arrows, especially wood arrows that, that do break. It's, uh, it's, it's nice when you can get a couple shots off a deer with the same arrow. I'm sure I know Jerry, he was talking about, I think it was a, I think it was a carbon arrow. Maybe it was a, a aluminum. I can't remember at this point, but he said it was 15 deer. He'd shot with that one arrow and broadhead or 15 animals at that point and recovered it every time. So that was pretty impressive, but to do it with wood three oh. times, and we talked about that in our last podcast. Wood, 
people don't give it enough credit as it deserves. It is tougher than what people think, and it uh, oh. it is forgiving too. But it will break, and it's it's not like aluminum or carbon when it you know it bends. You might be able to straighten it back out, or you know carbon not even not even do that for you. But it when it when it doesn't break and it's still good to go, it it can be deadly in the right place. Oh yeah, I like wood. They actually shoot quieter. And um, oh, I, I really like wood arrows. And uh, I shoot carbon. Now, I got carbon. I, I think this year I killed uh, with carbons and, yeah, I know I killed with carbons and wood this year. And uh, I, I do like a heavy arrow. I like to stay around 600 grains. And I don't shoot, but like 46, 47, 48 pounds in there. That's great. I love it. Yeah, it's, it's fun. It's fun. You don't have to build something that's super heavy. It'll work. It's uh, it's amazing with a sharp broadhead. It'll do in the right spot. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So what got you interested in making your own bows? Oh, uh, just uh, I I don't know really. I can't. I I, I, I watched. Uh, it's probably been twenty years ago. I watched Thad Beckham. I don't know if you ever heard of him. He he lives I think near Sylvania. But I watched him. He's got a, a DVD called Full Circle, and uh, he he he's hardcore. He's wearing the Indian garb, you know, the leather stuff. Excuse me, and uh, and I mean, he's killed a purple young buck with a stone point. And he made bows. He make like if I make my bows, I'll go out there and cut the tree down with an axe and split it down the middle with a skill saw and you know, and and files and this and that. Well, he uses he used all stone tools. He goes out there with a stone axe, and uh, everything is just like a Native American would have way back. The entire process he does with the same tools that they use, and he he kills deer with that stuff. And any I watched that, and that got me wanting to build bows. And I, I started out building some some glass longbows, and uh, I, I did I'm really really successful with that. And then. Uh, you know, eventually went over. I built a few hickory bows, and I killed a pig with a stone point, a little small pig, and then uh, built some Osa, an Osage bow. Hatchet Dan actually gave me the stage, him and Donnie Poole, and kind of lined it out. They showed me what to do with it, and I built an Osage bow that I killed three deer with with stone points. And so I, I've not killed a ton of stuff with, with uh, primitive equipment, but uh, I have killed a lot of stuff with bows that I made myself with glass bows. How rewarding was that killing something with a bow that you made, an arrow, and a, a, a stone point that you napped out compared to you know something more modern that you use more often? Man, it was. I really did absolutely nothing different. Uh, I set up to hunt. I was hunting uh, the first deer I killed with the stone point. I was hunting, uh, you know, hunting feed tree. Climb just no different than I would have if I'd have been shooting a recurve. And uh, the deer came in. I think I shot the deer under 10 yards, a, a cowhorn spike in velvet. And uh, I, you couldn't hit him no better. I didn't even think about what I was using. I just did this normal normal hunting. And I think that's the key to any kind of shooting or any kind of bow is you, you don't have to, you got to have enough faith in what you're doing that, that you don't think about that. You focus on the shot. And the arrow went where I was looking. The deer ran probably 40 yards, shot him through both lungs. And then, uh, see, the second one I killed was like a six or seven yard shot, maybe less than 10. I, I actually walked through that place 
couple of days ago with my dog. And uh deer ran, made a perfect shot, uh, shot the deer through the heart. The deer ran maybe 60 yards at the most. Then I killed the third deer I killed. I killed uh, on the management area under a swamp chestnut. I killed off the ground with my leafy suit on. I shot it 13 yards. Yeah. And, and But I, everything was set up no different. I didn't set up any kind of special way because of the equipment I was using. You know, but it, as far as the feeling, well, the, it didn't hit me all at once until I put my hands on that first deer, and then I was like, "Golly, I just killed a deer with a rock." <laughs> yeah, <it was> <laughs> Golly, cool. I don't know about you, Mike. I'm excited about turkey season, but those stories get me fired up and ready for September. Heck yeah! Oh yeah, I love it. Absolutely love it. How often are you shooting your bow? You talk about confidence right and having confidence in your equipment how often is robert carter shooting his bow in the off season man i probably shoot my bow near if near every day it's, it's probably two days a week i don't shoot my bow and when i say that now i don't go out there into a 3d range or to a big bale and shoot 100 arrows i just grab it and walk i live out here in the country right here. i grab it and put a grab an air one air and just walk and shoot pine cones and and uh, the last time I shot a 3D deer or hog is when I made a video about gap shooting, and it's been several months ago. I just, I mean, I don't go to no bow range or nothing. I just walk around and shoot pine cones and stuff like that. But, uh, and I might shoot three arrows or I might shoot 20, but that'll be it. And then I come back to the house. No matter what you do. That very first shot of the day is the one that matters most, and I have a lot of confidence in that because I have I, I seldom, if ever, I almost never make a bad shot my first shot. When I come out of the house, all my focus is on that. It's like Dendy Crummer. He does the same thing, shoots every day. I think there's something that speaks volumes and to y'all's success. Uh, I know that there's God-given abilities, but I also think when you're hunting with a traditional bow, if you're not practicing on a regular basis, you're doing yourself no good when it comes down to a, a real life hunting situation. I know this is different. It's totally different shooting at something that's live versus shooting at a pine cone, hay bale, or a piece of foam. But the the mental aspect, that subconscious confidence, I think comes from that regular practice that you and him both do. Oh yeah. But I can tell you, my my, uh, my recovery ratio is extremely high. I very, very seldom lose an animal or even miss one i mean it happens now but but the i think the key to my success is i don't shoot long shots and another thing is i I don't have to focus on i mean the shot just happens i don't have to think about well am i am i touching here or am i pushing here i just look at my spot and shoot inside 20 is brought to you by traditional bow hunters of georgia head on over to tradbowga.com for more info and by Big Jim Bow Company, the place for custom bows, handmade leather goods, and much more to meet your traditional archery needs. Check them out at BigJimBowCompany.com. Gunshy Archery, the perfect custom-made quiver for both two and three blade broadheads. Check them out at GunshyArchery.com. VPA Broadheads, Precision Machine One-Piece Broadheads. 
two and three blade models available. Check them out at vparchery.com. Custom King Traditional Archery. The best prices on the best traditional archery products since 1972. Check them out at customkingarchery.com. That's custom with a K. Triple T Strings. Creates champion level Flemish and endless strings for hunters and target shooters using the best materials. Check them out at TTT Strings on Facebook. And uh, I am a gap shooter. I guess you would call it a subconscious gap shooter. I know I know where my point's at, but I don't I don't look and say, well, I need to put my point about right here. I, it happens automatic. I look at the spot I want to hit. I can see the arrow in my peripheral vision, and uh, I mean I, I don't have to think about shooting. Shooting just happens, and uh, you know I I. I I have a I fought target panic really bad, and I just learned to instead of going through all that stuff they do to fix it, I just learned to to go with it. I learned to to shoot and be on target before I hit anchor, because if I shoot too quick, I'm gonna hit where I'm looking anyway, and I'm not gonna shoot far anyway. Fifteen yards is about is the limit for me. I can shoot. I just shot a while ago. I was out there shooting, and I shot at a I had a green leaf about the size of your hand at 25 yards. I was hitting it almost every time. But I, I would never shoot at an animal that far. Yeah, that animal won't be sitting there like that green leaf once that arrow gets there oftentimes, right? No, no. But, it, you know, 12, 15 yards, uh, he's in trouble. I, I actually started keeping up with it. Chris Bikes and I were talking, and, and this has been maybe eight years ago, eight or nine years ago, and, and I lost count last year, and I quit worrying about it. But I was actually keeping up with my shot distances on all the animals. And it was somewhere around 84 or 85 animals I had killed in there in that time period, and my average shot was 12 yards. That is great advice for anybody. I think at any point in their journey shooting traditional, no matter how long they've been doing that, how how often within that, the beginning parts of your journey uh, was that was that ratio different? You know, was there a, a lower recovery rate it was, it was terrible when i first started i i had no uh i wanted to kill something and i'm i'm actually ashamed to say that i, I hunted and with the bow and and uh I, I was old i mean i would sling arrows you know what i mean and uh, i lost some animals but i didn't i did have a conscience too now and i knew that i wasn't gonna keep doing that and uh and my but i focused on the wrong thing and that's what 90 percent of the people do now is focus on the wrong thing it's good to focus on being able to shoot, but it's better to be able to get 15 yards from because you can be not such a good shot and be a killer if you can get get close and never shoot outside your range. If, like you just said, at 25 yards, there's no telling what he's going to do when that arrow gets there, where he's going to be. I killed a pig. The I, I only killed one hog this year since uh, the first of the year, and I killed a pig the other day at 13 steps. And she was standing a little bit quarter and away. It was a pretty good sound, probably 80 pounds. And I drew back, and the shot was controlled. And when I shot, she took one half a step to the right to run. Pigs will almost always veer away from you when you shoot. And instead of hitting her perfect, I shot her through the neck. And uh, and I made a perfect shot. There I went exactly where I was looking. She just wasn't there. And uh, I was really lucky to find her. 
So what would have happened had I been at 25 yards? You know what I mean? It could have been really bad. And and uh, and that's one reason that I, I, I shoot close to allow for not only for what I do, but for what they do. Which you have no control over. This is all great advice. And I think if anybody is listening to this, if you've not taken notes or put mental notes down, you're cheating yourself. This is great stuff. Now, I don't want to keep going down the path of, what seems like maybe uh, some some negative situations or, or talk. I think this is just real important stuff for everybody to you know think about because it happens to everybody. It hadn't happened to you. You just hadn't been doing it long enough. But are there any true heartbreak hunts? Is there any th- time where you got busted or you lost a, a, a big deer or a pig or a turkey, anything that you can remember that's like, hey, this was probably the number one heartbreak hunt I had. Can you tell that story? Man, the, the number one heartbreak hunt I had was that I went to, it was my last trip to Osceola Island. And uh, I've hunted there three, I went three different times. And I saw, a, I've never killed a piebald deer. And I saw when, when I went with my good friend Keith Brunner, and when we were walking the day before the hunt, we actually saw a piebald doe. And uh, we were walking around in the area we were going to hunt, and I, I picked out, I found a water oak that was, that was smoking. And he found him a spot. Well, the, naturally, the first day I sit there, that piebald doe that we had saw comes under me, probably seven or eight yards, and I shot over her back. And, uh, man, that was worth, I mean, you know, I've killed a lot of pretty good rack bucks, but I ain't never killed a piebald deer. And to be on the island hunt for that to happen, and, uh, man, I was sick. But, uh, I mean, I got over it pretty quick. I killed, uh, the next day I killed two bucks in three minutes. But, it was a, it was, that was like, I mean, I've never seen another piebald deer and that's been 10 years ago, probably. Mm, that hurts. I have seen one in the woods. It was a, a yearling piebald doe. They're so pretty. It's amazing when you see them. Actually, when I first saw it, it was getting almost dark and there was a, a doe, a, a big doe. And then next thing you know, uh, there was that yearling and it was getting so dark. I thought it was a dog and the doe was moving pretty, slipping through the woods pretty quick. And I thought it was a dog behind it at first when I saw it. And then I realized it was a pieball yearling. That's that's tough, but perfect segue. What did you do to get over that? And obviously you got back in the saddle real quick and were successful. And so that probably helped ease the pain a little bit and, and boost your confidence back up, right? Oh, yeah. Brother John told me one time that, uh, like, if you shoot a deer, lose it, a lost animal or a missed animal, is like a bad girlfriend. You have to forget that one and find another one. <laughs> we we got to start making T-shirts on some of the stuff that he's talking about, Mike. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the truth, man. You can't do that spilt milk. Amen to that. Life in general, you got to let it go and keep moving forward. You can't look back. Yeah, everything, everything in life, it's beyond your control. Don't dwell on the negative. You learn from it and move on. I was listening to a sermon, and they said that life is like racquetball. And they said if you play that ball off that uh, back wall, you're going to hit in the face. That's why they wear goggles when they play racquetball. you got to play that ball off that wall in front of you. you got to keep looking forward, keep moving forward. Yep, that's it. That's it. You're getting a lot of good advice. Like I said, if somebody's listening and they have not taken mental notes, they are cheating themselves. They better press rewind and re-listen to this. What is the number one piece of advice that you would give? You had to say one thing to somebody 
and one thing or one piece of advice only to somebody starting out in traditional hunting or traditional bow hunting and what would that be enjoy the journey it's it's uh it don't turn it into work you don't have to be the best shot in the world all you got to do is is be able to shoot and and know where your limit is at and don't shoot at animals past that but enjoy every breath you take every every time you go to the woods is an open book you can learn from it every time and uh and before you know it you you uh you're bringing stuff home with you and when i began to have i've been bow hunting a long time and and i'm not trying to brag or anything but i have killed hundreds of deer and hogs and i really started enjoying hunting the most when it didn't matter if i killed anything and and i i just you know before i would feel like i had to go out i mean i had to had to do good but i you know i reached a point where i don't care i'm just going hunting and i started hunting a lot on the ground walking because that's pretty hard but it's easy and uh as far as the hunt itself not bagging something but i, I didn't care if i killed one I, I went for the adventure to have some fun and when i started doing that I, heck my success went way up too i mean it, it made everything more enjoyable but uh you can turn it into work and you make it make it hard you can spend hours and hours trying to learn how to shoot one inch groups at 30 yards or you can be just a good solid shot and a better woodsman and and never miss and i love it it's so true that if you are just living in the moment and whatever that is in life and soaking it up that you will look back and not regret that uh, it's hard i know uh, you have uh, a lot of individuals had this uh, this competitive spirit with themselves and they're obviously uh, that way if they're trying traditional bow hunting with all the different modern methods that there is today for whatever reason that is that you want to start that journey but there's probably a part of you that is competitive and you know wants to prove yourself right and and there's going to be missed opportunities and uh i know for me specifically i've had some missed big misses on some some really nice deer uh that have uh haunted me for a while but uh, as i've looked back and you know looked at those seasons compared to other ones i've had a lot more fun just living in the moment and enjoying you know a hunt where something unfolded where i didn't even take a shot something exciting some kind of memorable experience that I had never had happen before just seeing a lot of deer critters or whatever that might be um and it's that's great advice perfect advice oh yes yeah, this stuff is fun and you can make it where it's not <laughs> and uh but it, it is fun it's fun yeah, it's and, and you know i hear people I, i've had people uh say well what are you what are you going to do if uh if one comes by 40 yards you know, and, uh, and that's one reason I don't go to the 3D range over here anymore because there's always people that come up, they look at you like you're handicapped if you're shooting a recurve, and then they start pulling you with all these questions, and and I, I just I don't I don't go over there and deal with that. But uh, I mean, I you know I ain't gonna go get a rifle next time. I'm just gonna try to set up a little better if I see one at 40 yards. You know, that's that's you know yeah like I I've, I saw. Uh, Two Puffin Young class bucks this year. One was 25 yards, and uh, one was one came through a real thick place, probably about 16, 15, 16 yards is how close he came to. Me. And I didn't even raise my bow on either one of them because I knew I didn't didn't have a chance. 
But my point is, I didn't feel defeated. I feel like I beat them. I had them that close, and I my heart was pounding. And when I got down from the tree, I was grinning from ear to ear because it's a blessing to be able to have that encounter. And had I just throw the arrow down there and made a really poor shot and lost them, that would have been sickening. But uh, you know, and, and I I don't want to risk that. I'll wait till he's broadside, fifteen yards or less, and then pretty good chance I'll put my hands on him then. Such wise advice, Robert. It really is. It's amazing that you've had all these opportunities in life and you've you've uh, realized that that uh, makes a successful hunt. And I think that the more uh, we can all just accept that and you know, have that mindset going into it, uh, like you said, the more enjoyable it'll be, and the more that we'll uh, you know uh, be able to look back and you know be thankful for all these uh, different experiences and not look at it as like, well, that didn't work out. You know, maybe I should have done it a different way. And there's going to be a time at, at some point in your journey that you're going to fail. And like you said, instead of saying, ah, I'm going to throw in the towel and I'm going to blame uh, whatever this is that I'm taking in the woods with me and I'm going to get to the next best thing that's going to allow me to, you know, have an extension of yardage the next time I go out there, try to make yourself better because it will force you to be a better woodsman. Taking this into the woods will force you to be a better woodsman oh yeah yes it will yeah this this it's a whole it's a whole nother another another game i can tell you that and you feel you feel really good i mean i hunt like i said i hunt i hunt 90 95 public land there's a really couple small tracks of private land i can hunt but uh to go in a place and 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 find find something to set up on and even if you shoot a doe i'm tickled to death shoot a doe but doing all that work and then bagging a deer with your longbow at 10 yards that that feels pretty good that's an accomplishment and, and I, I i mean i really enjoy it it's, it's fun mm, there's nothing sweeter to me i'm right there with you we are aligned perfectly now is there any hunts exciting hunts or challenges that you got planned for this coming up year? I mean, are you going to hunt with an atlatl or a slingshot next? What's going to happen? No, no, not that. I, I am going to hunt with the self bow. I do plan on, this probably sounds extremely crazy, but uh, I want to, on the private land I can hunt, there's a small track over there, and it is it is really, really hot. I mean, it's good hunting, and uh, I see, I mean, I, I could have climbed this tree this evening and saw deer there, you know what I mean? They're they just there. But I'm gonna I'm gonna cut a either a wing dam or a sweet gum tree down and make me a self bow out of it and try to to uh, kill a deer with you know a bow that I cut off that property right there and it's it's like uh, I I think it's like twenty twenty two acres or something a, a wood lot there's woods all around it and that's surrounded by woods and by hunting clubs actually on one side and farm on the other. But uh, it's a bit just basically a big oak flat flat that I can hunt, and uh, I, I want to. I, that's the goal I got this year to do that. Well, we wish you the best of luck with that. I imagine you're probably going to film that that whole journey, oh, yeah. right? Oh yeah, I, I got where I don't enjoy hunting without filming it, and it ain't so much. I I I put those things on YouTube. I mean, it it was for me to enjoy. To look back, you know, like you look at some pictures or something, you enjoy looking at the past. And I, that's why I did that for me. And uh, 
actually Mr. Warren Womack, he, uh, watching his stuff. And, and I think he told me one time we were talking, he had, I don't know how many deer he's killed, but I think he has a picture of every single one except for one. And, uh, that's pretty solid right there. I have, I mean, I don't have, I, I, I couldn't tell you how many deer or hogs I've killed. I used to keep up with it. Like I've counted pictures that I had and different things like that, but I have no clue, but he can tell you down to the exact one. And he has field notes on probably every hunt he's ever done. And, uh, Chris is sort of the same way. My friend, Chris Fox, he can tell you all that, but I can't tell you what I killed four years ago. <laughs> I, I, I lose track of it. But I, I, my point to all that is that's what got me wanting to video the stuff because I enjoyed watching Mr. Womack's stuff and Chris. Chris does some like TV quality videos. He does some really good stuff. And uh, I, I just enjoy doing that. And it's kind of like hunting with a, with a traditional bow. You know, after you're successful with it and you kind of get it in your blood, you don't want to hunt with nothing else. But after you start filming and you have su- some success with the camera, you you don't it don't feel it feels empty when you go hunting and don't have it. Yeah, Mr. Warren, I think was ahead of his time in the way he was documenting his hunts, and now he's able to after all those years. And I understand, and I hope that at that point in my journey, that I'm able to recall you know a lot of my hunts. But I understand that there's probably uh, many details that you don't recall. I mean, there's some days I can't even remember what I had for breakfast, right? Let's not kid ourselves, but he's able to go back and read detail for detail, everything that took place. Uh, and then as things have advanced and you're able to take cameras and video cameras in the woods, uh, now that's a little bit easier than having to go and, and write all that stuff down. And we were blessed with the opportunity to be able to do a podcast and he shared all about that. And so looking at your YouTube, you created that same thing. And there's obviously a lot of people that love watching your stuff. And you got 3000 people that have subscribed to you on YouTube because they want to see what Mr. Robert Carter has to produce next. So that, uh, that coming down the pipe, I'm sure it's going to get some people excited to see once you, uh, fulfill that next goal of yours. Oh, it'll be a, be a fun journey. Anyway, it's going to be fun. The biggest challenge of it is building a boat that stays together. (laughs) No doubt. But uh, I have real good luck with Osage, but not so much with any other thing. Well, I, I have built one bow out of sweet gun, and it still shoots. I mean, uh, it just came out too light. Now, I know some other bowyers, they'll film the entire build process, and everybody's seems like they're the process itself is the same, but they have different ways of doing different steps in the process. Have you done that? Have you tr- taken and videoed the entire process yet? No, I'm a... Uh... I'm a beginner boyer, and I, 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 my ratio of, of having bows stay together is really pathetic. I, I would rather not. It'd be embarrassing to, to share. But, uh, I mean, my last few bows have come out really. And, and I, I have some wood that's – I'll be using coal wood that I cut, too. Not really what you would call premium stuff. But the Osage, my last Osage bow was built out of a flawless stave. And it's, I have nothing but confidence in it. It's, it's a fine shooting bow, but no, I hadn't, I hadn't filmed anything like that. It's, I really, I really not the guy to give advice on anything as far as bow building goes. Uh, maybe I get a few more under my belt. I may do that. And I may film parts of the, of the, this bow that I'm talking about trying to build and hunt on that same property with. I'll probably film that 
you know, three steps of it right there. Well, I know my personal advice is only worth two cents, but to me, I think it'd be a great uh, opportunity for some people out there that are like, man, I'm, I haven't done it, but a few times, maybe broken some bows and what the wisdom that you're willing to share. I think anybody out there that uh, is following you is, is wanting to soak it up no matter what it might be. But it's exciting regardless. We can't wait to hear about that and how that unfolds. And I'm sure the success that you'll find at the end of that trail. Yeah, it's going to be a, a fun journey. I, that particular property I've hunted for 50 years. Wow. I, I started not bow hunting. I hunted with a, when I was 12. I grew up in a different different way of life. I, I could, uh, I lived three miles from that, that block and there were woods, solid woods from there to my house. And when I was 12, I'd take the 410 shotgun, uh, a sack with a couple of biscuits in it and some water and strike out on foot and that was as far as i could go that was as far as the property i could hunt 12 years old now i go and stay going all day and then be back home at dark and uh, that property is really special to me i've killed countless animals on it and had some good hunts and even turkeys i've killed turkey with a longbow there wow that's amazing I, there's not many people that get to say that definitely blessed in that area i'm sure that that place holds a special a special spot in your heart. Oh yeah. Well, all the property between there and my house now, I can't hunt anymore. I used to kid at it. So I only got just that one block there. And then, uh, that gentleman passed. And so I'm sure it, and within a year or so, it, I'll be cut out of that. And, uh, but I enjoy this, enjoy it while I can. It's fun. That's a good attitude to have regardless where, Robert, Mr. Robert Carter hunts. I'm sure there's nothing that's safe. So it doesn't even matter. It could be the, could be the par- parking lot at Walmart if it was legal, right? Uh, I'd like to, I will tell you this now. The, I've been, I've been pretty successful, but it's because I hunt where game is at. And I mean, I hunt, I hunt prime places and I'm talking about the public land I hunt. And uh, there's some public land around here I won't even go on. I mean, I've hunted it before. And if you want to, if you want to be successful, you got to go where the animals are at. And I tell people this, if you live, say you live away, you know, in town or, you know, in a city, I would rather drive, drive an hour and hunt something that's prime than to hunt that little block down the road, 10 minutes away, just cause it's close. I mean, I, I, I'm going to go where they're at and, you know, I'm fortunate. I don't have to drive very far at all. And I'm, I'm in some good hunting right here, but. The guys that live up in the, in you know in the middle of the state there, I'm I'm if I if I got a day I'm going hunting I'm going to the best place I can go I'm not going to go to what's convenient. Maximizing that time, right? Yep, yep. It's like hunting. You know, people say I, I hunt a long ways from the road sometime, and they say, "Why you go back there a mile?" Well, I mean, if I back there where I'm going, I almost know I'm going to see game, so I'm going back there. And, uh, you know, I'm looking for places closer to the road, but, you know, if you can climb close to the road and hope you see one, or you can hunt that mile back and know you're going to see one, I'm going to the back. What is the craziest thing, if there has been anything like that, that you've seen in the woods or any anything nuts going that far back that's happened to you or scary stories or top of mind? I've seen 
I've seen a weird thing. One time I saw, I was in the stand, and the squirrel's running around. The squirrel went up and went in a hole in a tree, probably seven or eight feet up. And then a snake climbed up the tree, went in the hole, came out with the squirrel, hit the ground. A hawk comes and gets the snake, and the squirrel runs off. Wow. That's that's crazy. Just seeing the snake go in there and get the squirrel out was was wild. But a hawk, before he could get the squirrel swallowed, a hawk came down and got him. And what's the message behind that story? I'm trying to figure that out, if there is one. The squirrel that's, was lucky, for sure. That's exactly <laughs> right. It's better yeah. to be lucky than good any day, right? Yeah, yeah the snake, he lost focus because, I mean, the, the hawk, I mean, I don't know if you know this, but hawks do feast on snakes now. But uh, I guess the, the snake got wrapped up in his bill and forgot that he could be a meal himself. Wow. That's a good story. And with that, I want to say thank you, Mr. Robert, for all the time that you spent with us tonight and the wisdom that you have laid down during this podcast and just everything that you do to represent the traditional community, the the man that you are and what you uh, you do day in and day out, uh, and just being positive. It's a positive influence in life in general. We just, we just want to say thank you. Uh, you are, I just... I just live life and try to live the best I can. And that's, uh, that's all there are to it. That's, that's, that's what we all need to strive to do. And, um, that's really, you know, you know, everything that I do is through Christ. I should have been dead a long time ago and uh, I'm alive now for a purpose, you know, and, 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 uh, only God knows what that purpose is. And you never can tell that. A little word here, a little word there, or, you know, just a, a little act of kindness may change somebody's life. But we just have to keep keep putting that out there. We don't know the impact that we have on people's lives. But uh, if you don't do that kind of stuff, then nothing good's going to happen. Amen to that. Thank you for living that out every day. And with that, if it's okay with you, we'd like to close in a quick word of prayer. Yes, sir. Dear Lord, we just come to you today and we just thank you so much for everything you've given us. We just thank you for the amazing weather that you presented us today. Just thank you for the opportunity to be able to chase your creatures, Lord, every day and just being able to do this and and talk to somebody who is uh, hours away down the road and just being able to talk something that we're so passionate about and the passion that you you put in our heart. We thank you for everybody out there that's going to listen to this, and we just ask you continue to bless each and every one of them. Continue to guide them, Lord, in their journey and their hobbies and their professional life and their personal life. Continue to guide them as uh, brothers and sisters and husbands and wives and everybody else that's uh, that's going to be influenced by them. Just know that uh, their walk matters and everything that they do uh, has a, a purpose, Lord. We just thank you for our good health. We uh, ask that you be with everybody that's uh, getting in the woods to uh, chase turkeys this time of year and, and, and pigs, Lord, just be with them and keep them safe. Ask that you just continue to uh, watch over us, forgive us for our sins. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mr. Robert. Yes, sir.